Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. On Saturdays, you know what we do. We give you the breakdown of the Bears' next opponent, although I guess I'm also going to have to do this on Wednesday, too, because the, the Bears, they end up playing Tampa Bay, or should I say Tampa Bay? All right, I won't do that ever again. But they are going to play the Buccaneers on Thursday night football if there is still NFL football next week. As I'm recording this, all hell's breaking loose. Cam Newton has COVID, and one of the practice squad players at Kansas City has COVID. So as I'm recording, that game is postponed. They're hoping to play it on Monday or Tuesday, but uh, I don't know, bruh. And then you know what's been going on with the Tennessee Titans. Luckily, the Vikings seem to be okay as it stands right now. So that's some good news. But yes, no problems with the Bears thus far and no problems with the Colts. I'm really intrigued by this matchup. This Colts defense is pretty good. Now, granted, last week they played the Jets, and the Jets are trash, and Sam Darnold is not very good at playing quarterback in the NFL. But they they scored – well, actually, they scored three times. They had two pick sixes in the game, and Bears fans will remember Xavier Rhodes from his time in Minnesota. He had one of them, and then he had another pick. He was AFC Defensive Player of the Week last week. On top of that, they're averaging two interceptions a game on defense so far. And in back-to-back weeks, they've had safeties in their game. So it lets me know that they like to pin their ears back when they've got an opponent buried deep in their own territory. Matt Nagy talked a little bit about that this week, that that was one of his major concerns with his team is to make sure that they're paying attention because this is a defense that that likes to take the ball away. So he talked about that, and he talked about it in conjunction with having a new quarterback who's going to be on the field and having the opportunity to call plays with him and work with Nick Foles. When you're getting touchdowns on defense and scoring points on defense, your percentages for the opposing team go way down. So um, we need to make sure ball security is number one. Um, we and that's every game, but they've shown here what they can do. They're op, they're an opportunistic defense, and uh, you have to stay ahead of the sticks as well. Now that, that's kind of generic saying that, but that's real. So they're a really good. Their stats aren't fluffed up at all. They're good. They're a really good defense. Just just for you, just as a play caller. I mean, how how much are you looking forward to Sunday? I mean, I, I don't know if things are going to change radically. Of course, you're not going to tell us what's going to happen, but. Just to have this opportunity to have him in there as the quarterback and, and see what you guys can accomplish together. What's this going to be like for you? Yeah, Jeff, it'll be definitely um, different because it's a, it's a new quarterback and it's a quarterback that we and I have not, um, you know, other than last weekend, that quarter and a half, haven't prepped a whole week for and, you know, in a game-like situation. So um, that part, I, I think the, the biggest thing with our quarterback room and with Coach DiFilippo and and with Nick and Mitch and Tyler and all these guys is that we're trying to just continue to go about this thing as normal as we can. Um, last, yesterday, we were, we were outside and that wind was rolling, so it was interesting just seeing how that goes here with that Chicago weather in town. But, um, you know, it's exciting for a lot of different reasons, not necessarily for the quarterback as much as just right now for our team, honestly. We feel like we're in a good place. We're going up against a really good football team that's going to come in and challenge us. And so 
it'll be interesting to see offensively, you know, how we do against a really good defense. DeForest Buckner and Jonathan Houston are playing really good football for the Colts. So those are a couple of names of guys that the Bears are going to have to be aware of because they hit the quarterback. They don't just get pressure. They actually get their hands on the quarterback. So it's something to keep in mind. Speaking of the quarterback, you heard Matt Nagy right there talking about bringing in Nick Foles. Let me give you my thoughts on it. And it's something that I'm it's a, a theory that I'm working through. It's something I'm going to be watching over the next couple of weeks. I don't think there'll be any pronouncements one way or the other from what we're going to see from Nick Foles. I want people to give him an opportunity to play with a game plan. I want to, I want people to give him an opportunity to be game planned against before kind of making up your mind. And I, I go back to week one, what Foles was able to accomplish in the fourth quarter last week Mitchell Trubisky did in the first game of the season against Detroit. For the record, I think that Foles is better than Trubisky. I'm not sure how much better he is than Trubisky, though. And now that the Colts have the tape, they can they can work off of that. But let's talk about what he did last week. Coming in cold off the bench to rally the Bears that's really impressive. And that last throw that he made, I thought was impressive too because you're trusting your receiver to make the play. There's a guy in your face. Like, you know you're going to get popped. To stand in there and make that throw is is out of sight. Like, that's, that's toughness personified in, in the quarterback position. Dan Durkin does a great job of breaking down film. I love talking with him because he's super smart and he pays attention. So I wanted to get his read on what it is that he saw with Nick Foles and if any of that is sustainable. So the the thing that stood out to me most, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, quick, quick coverage identification, uh, route anticipation. So, you know, knowing if I have cover to here, there, there's really three spots in the deep that I'm going to be looking at, you know, middle of the field or outside the safeties. Um, you know, he, he identifies pressure really well. I think one of the things that, um, you know, I, I've got a video that I'll, I'll be putting up tomorrow on YouTube uh, about this, but his ability to kill and check plays, I, I think that it was just way different. His, and I wrote about this in the spring as well. Um, there's just a sense of calm with him. I, I think that he very much is a student of the game when it comes to being able to look at a front and look at a linebacker and look at the alignment of a strong safety and understand, okay, from this look, I, I'm pretty confident that this is what this is going to roll into after the snap and making adjustments to it. He made a really simple adjustment. He made a kill call um, and, and threw just like a little slant to Allen Robinson. The, the Falcons were showing off-man coverage, and so there was a big void over the, the left seam of the defense. And so take what the defense gives you. If they're going to play 11 yards off the line of scrimmage and you can gain eight quick yards just with an easy throw to Allen Robinson, do that. And you could just tell he very quickly turned him, called it, Allen Robinson got it, he relayed the signal to the outside, Foles gets the ball. He throws the ball to Allen Robinson, and the Bears got eight yards off a really easy high-percentage throw. So it's those types of things that just show me what the, the difference is in competent quarterbacking. So coverage coverage identification, route anticipation. And the other thing that really stood out to me was just toughness in the pocket. They, they brought some pressure towards him. He's not the scrambler that Mitch Trubisky is. He's not the guy that's going to extend plays like Mitch Trubisky, but he will stay in the pocket and make a throw to an area of the field that he knows is going to be 
be open because of how and what he's anticipating the defense is going to do, be it bring pressure or be it to drop back into a look. And so the Anthony Miller touchdown is the perfect example to that. They picked a spot of grass. He, if he said, hey, if I get zero, meaning if there's no safety help over the top, I'm going to throw you a flat ball to this part of the field, be there. And so you saw it. Uh, Miller, Miller knew he needed to adjust his route, true to his word. Nick Foles threw a ball with a guy right in the space. It got to that point. Bears win. So it's those types of things that really stood out to me in just terms of being a competent NFL quarterback doesn't mean you need to be faster than people on the field. It just means that you need to understand what the defense is trying to do. And if your coach trusts you, you should have the ability to put your offense into a better position to succeed based on what defense you anticipate you're going to get. That to me is just an inherent higher level of quarterback play that we haven't seen under Mitch Trubisky. I feel like this is a referendum on, look, I want to find out if my offense works. I think that the quarterback is the thing that's been holding my offense back, and now I've made a switch to, as you put it, a more competent NFL quarterback. Are there any limitations in the offense itself that won't allow for even Nick Foles to succeed? I don't know if they're limitations because I think the pass blocking has actually been very good this year. So uh, that one of the things that, that you know, I was just talking about is he's not the scrambler Mitch's, and that's okay. So I think that the offensive line knows, hey, we just need to keep a sturdy pocket instead of wondering, is Mitch behind me or has he broken uh, the pocket and now I'm pushing a defender towards where he is scrambling. So I think that from a pass blocking perspective, I think that they're going to be okay. What's going to be interesting to me is, are they going to, and my assumption is yes, going to deviate from what they have started doing so far this year, which is you know running more of these outside zone and stretch plays and then running bootleg off of it. I know Foles can do that, and I'm sure that there will still be some of that to this offense, but when you look at Nick Foles historically and what has gotten him into rhythm in games is the RPO game, the run-pass option game. So might we see a reboot of that, which is something that, that Matt Nagy likes to run as a way to say, I'm going to get uh, you know some, some completions in here, let uh, Nick dissect the defense and get the ball to where it needs to go and get him going that way, and then I'll take my shots off of that. And I think you're going to see uh, maybe them revert back to a little bit more out of the shotgun. He seems to be a little bit more comfortable working from that. That I think he's got a wider view of the defense, and I think in this instance it benefits him. His footwork is good. He's typically a one, you know three-step drop, and the ball is out guy. You don't see him really holding onto the ball or clutching or padding it like you've seen with Mitch. So my assumption is more RPO, more shotgun, and I'm wondering how much they're going to hold on to the outside zone game. And I, in a way, I think they have to a little bit because the, the, they're blocking it very well. And David Montgomery is running that, that scheme very well, as is Cordero Patterson. So um, I, I'm very interested to see how schematically uh, Nagy and his coaching staff changes up their call sheet this weekend against the Colts. One of the things about Nick Foles that when you hear people talk about him is in the RPO game, as Dan Durkin points out, he is good at the post-snap read. Now, there are a lot of guys that are good at pre-snap, and they can box count and figure it out, but the post-snap read is important. So for, for the, the, the non-initiated fan, when I bring up the, the concept of post-snap read, what am I talking about? unblocked defender so in, in in this instance there's going to be an, an unblocked defender and it's typically going to be the backside end is he chasing the running back is he coming to you that's number one going to determine what you're doing with the ball from there and if he chases now you have the ability to keep the ball so you know a, a good mesh fake pull it and now you should have 
typically they run like a, a slant or something like that in the backside to say there's now a void on the backside off of this read that I'm going to be able to fit the ball into on a pretty easy pass. Or sometimes they'll come with a crosser over the middle. So read that backside end to determine, number one, is this a handoff or is this a pass? And then once you make that determination, you know exactly where your eyes go after you've done that initial read. So uh, understanding the box count can give you an inclination of, mm, we might have numbers on this one. You know, there, there's nobody that we, we can't block in the box, so maybe this sets up nicely for a run. But if, if something changes from there, get your eyes to the backside and read him and then know from there, did my pre-snap read meet what they actually did post-snap, and now what am I doing with that? So I think that you're going to see uh, the tight ends get involved a little bit more. I, I, I look back at some of his film from the past. He, he really likes to hit the tight ends, and a lot of it comes off of that RPO game. So uh, very much the quick read off of the backside unblocked defender, and then from there uh, making a decision about where to get the ball down the field. He's not going to keep it, but I think that the, at least that, that element of deception to give him a chance to say, is this better off in the running back's valley or in my arm to throw it, he's very good at it. I believe that more options are open for the Bears on Sunday, and maybe the most options in this offense in a really long time. That being said, there is some injury news that could have an effect on the game. Tariq Cohen tore up his knee. It's a shame. I'm glad that he got paid first. I'm glad that he got that, that deal done. I'm sure that Allen Robinson is looking around like, when's my deal happening? Because I don't want to tear up my knee again uh, when I'm in a walk year. What I've always liked about Cohen, and I know that it hasn't quite worked as well as everyone would like for it to work in the last season, but I do think that he's a matchup guy. He creates problems for the other team. If you have to defend him with a linebacker on a wheel route, Tariq usually wins that battle. And they were doing a good job of running him effectively in between the tackles as well. Him not being out there, I, I think, is significant because now you're going to ask guys to do more. Now, maybe, maybe what ends up happening is you give more touches to David Montgomery and he has a real breakthrough. That some of those pass plays that you were going to give to Tariq Cohen you can now just give to Montgomery. And perhaps it allows you to, as strange as this sounds, diversify your offense while having the same personnel on the field. Make Montgomery as big of a weapon in the pass game as you make him in the rush game. I mean, he, he's got, like, he's made some big catches this year. He's capable. I just want to see if, if that's something that, can be done with him. It's crazy, like, doing podcasts sometimes because sometimes you're just sitting there and stuff happens. And you're like, oh, wait, well, this is the preview pod, right? So I have, I have time to make corrections. As I'm recording this, I get the email from the Bears. Oh, yeah, our game's been moved. So because that, that Chiefs-Patriots game isn't going to happen, they needed another game in the 3 o'clock window. So the Bears and the Colts are going to play at 325 tomorrow. So that changes everybody's schedule around a little bit, doesn't it? All right, so not that this is live, but you're, you're getting all this information as I'm getting it 
here on the podcast. I don't think it changes anything other than there'll be more eyes on the Bears for this week because that that game gets to be in one of the spotlight positions for the NFL. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Colts and what they do. Offensively, in looking at their film, it's still a lot of short passing. Like They want to do quick timing stuff. They don't want to put Phillip Rivers in a lot of peril. I will say this. I have been impressed with the way that they have put him on the move. I've been really impressed with that. They have put Phillip, they're moving him around, they're using bootlegs, they're using some play action, and he's been effective throwing the ball. He's got like a 100 passer rating. He has thrown a couple of interceptions along with a couple of touchdowns. He seems to understand what they want to do offensively. But they have had some issues on third down. That's where they are probably their least efficient. So that's something that they want to improve on. But it's interesting because obviously the connection with Chuck Pagano and the Colts runs very deep. So Phillip Rivers was asked about the Bears defense and what it is that they do with Pagano as their DC. Well, Josh, they, they all play hard. Uh, they're all and they're very well coached and well disciplined, you know, and they have a lot of good players too. But he he does a heck of a job, uh, a heck of a job with them. He 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 really um, they don't do a ton, uh, you know, you, you, different than last week. Last week we didn't know it, there's people moving all over the place. Never know who's blitzing. Never know what version of cover two you're going to get with Greg Williams. Whereas this week. Um, you know, it's not going to be just a ton of, uh, you know, a Rolodex of, of defenses, uh, but everything they do, it's hard to tell the difference of what they're, what they're going to be in. And they do it very well. And they're very sound. You know, you don't see like, you don't see many things where you go, well, who's got this gap and who's covering this zone. I mean, everything's, everything's, everything's tight. Um, so it'll be a heck of a challenge. You mentioned we played them last year. Uh, it was a heck of a game. It went in 17, 16, I think. And, and they had a missed field goal there at the buzzer uh, that should probably, you know, should have beat us. But um, uh, it, it'll be a heck of a challenge. Again, the environment will be different. Uh, but other than that, uh, I think you got two good teams early on. Again, it's a long season ahead of us. They've had two two come from behind wins. They were down 10 with six, seven minutes left to play. 16 last week, 10 in week one against Detroit. And uh, and came back and won both of those. Um, you know, we, we know we know what we've done, letting that week one get away, and then we've won two in a row. But it's an early, it's an early uh, season, really good matchup. Uh, it'll be a heck of a challenge. I expect it to be a, be a heck of a football game. I mean, I guess it makes sense that they move this game to the 325 window now, right? Makes all the sense in the world to me. But to stay on that same front, Frank Reich, who coached Nick Foles, and that's something that you should remember in watching this game, that that was that man's offensive coordinator. So, he knows him really well. And I guess the question is, does Pagano know the personnel for the Colts better than Reich knows Foles? And I, I tend to lean. I was actually asked that question on Indianapolis radio this week. I tend to lean that Reich probably knows more about the deficiencies of Nick Foles better than any coach that the Bears are going to go up against. But here's what he said 
about taking on Pagano, whereas Philip Rivers and 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 his offense going up against Chuck Pagano's defense. Just very well coached, you know, disciplined, you know, really good at the skies on the back end coverage wise. Um, they do a really good job. Um, and then, you know, pressure wise with the personnel that they have, I think one of the things Chuck, I've not played him a lot, but that I think just watching and admiring his career, his coaching career, you know, he does a good job of adapting to his personnel. Um, you know, right now, yeah, they can bring exotic blitzes, but that's not what they major in. Um, they major in kind of five-man pressures because they they like their defensive front, so they're just trying to get one-on-ones um, to get the win up front. That that's kind of the mo, and that's that's pretty common and pretty smart, to be honest with you. Um, so, you know, we got to play good football, one-on-one football. This comes down to we talk about it every week. Well, we're going to scheme, we're going to prepare. But at the end of the day, we got to win our one-on-one matchups. So a big part of this game will be our one-on-one matchups in pass protection. Um, you know, they don't pressure. Uh, Chuck's not pressuring a, a real high amount this year. In general, I'd say it's pretty average. Um, so plus or minus from that, we got to be really good in protection. They obviously have some good pass rushers. Akeem Hicks was a monster in last week's game against the Falcons. He was so good. It, he was so good, it was pornographic. Like, if you dig on football and watching the big uglies, the interior linemen, go do work, watch what Akeem Hicks was doing to the offensive line of the Atlanta Falcons in that game, especially once we got into the third quarter. He was an absolute menace. And I'm, I imagine that they're hoping that they can do that against the Colts coming up on Sunday. But it was... Uh, it was fun to watch him and Mac working in tandem and the type of havoc that they were able to, to raise. Want to see Robert Quinn be, be more a part of that. Want to see that, that be the scariest thing about this defense, that they don't have to bring 6-7, that they can just rush with who they've got and it can still be effective against Phillip. A, a quick special teams note. That you might find interesting. Rodrigo Blankenship, you know, kicker with the goggles guy, he hit two uprights last week. One kick went in, the other one did not. But he's been good about hitting them damn uprights. Mo Ali Cox was a weapon last week for the Colts. And I'm curious on how that's going to play out. You saw, again, that Danny Trevathan is someone who is not on the field a lot. And in crunch time, he wasn't on the field last week. So there are some, there are some questions about how tight ends are going to be covered. I think that, that Ali Cox has a, he, he's special enough to make a couple of plays downfield. He's been targeted 11 times. He's got 10 catches for 181 yards. So, easy math. He's averaging over 18 yards a catch so far. He's got a touchdown, too. So, watch for Deion Bush. Let's see how much Danny Trevathan plays in this game. As I said at the beginning, I'm excited for this game. Because this is the best team that the Bears are going to play. 
And I also think that this starts a really tough week for them. You've got two good teams that are on your schedule, and you got to play them four days apart. Getting the win against the Colts would feel really good because it gives you an opportunity. Like, hey, you if you end up losing to the Buccaneers and you go four and one and you get a little extra rest after that Thursday night game, that's not bad. If you go three and two into the extra rest weekend, a lot of questions are going to pile up. I want to see how Nick Foles plays when he's game planned against and if he can stay healthy. That's been part of the reason why he thought about walking away from the game and why things ended badly, partly why things ended badly for him down in Jacksonville. This is going to be a lot of fun and more eyes are going to be on it because this game has been moved to 325. After the game is over, my post-game podcast will be on Loho Daily, so you can check it out there. And I appreciate your support all the way around on all platforms of stuff that I'm doing. Thanks so much for your support. And I will talk to you after the game over on, did I say Loho Daily? On House of L. That's where the post-game pod lives. On House of L. I have too many podcasts. Way too many. Talk to you next time.